to Church Everywhere live from the auditorium in the Vine Center. My name is Jess. And I'm Justin, and it is an honor to be here this morning to host us live. Yes, like I said, we are live from Wan Chai, and we'd love to know where you are watching from. So please drop us a comment. Let us know where you are. And of course, what we'd much prefer is if you were here with us in the auditorium. And we can't wait to be worshipping together and open our Sunday services again. But we have no certainty when that will be right now with the extension of the government's distancing measures. We've been making these decisions week by week and we've been keeping you updated via emails and via social media. So if you haven't been getting those, please do sign up for our weekly emails. And we'd like to ask you to turn on your notifications on social media so that if we do decide to open, when we do decide to open Sunday services, it may be at a short notice. We wouldn't want you to miss that. And it is very encouraging right now, Jess, to, we have around 232 people logged on right now live with us. Yes, we have people from Tun Moon, from Meifu, from all around Hong Kong, but even people from the US, wow, from Singapore, from New Zealand, Sri Lanka, Philippines. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. It's good to see you. And so church, this is what's going to happen today. Jess and I will, we just want to share a few things of what's happening within the community as always, but especially want to highlight how we can care for those around us in this time. And of course, as always, we are going to have some unhurried time in worship and followed by Andrew will come up and share a message on how we want to emerge out of this season. Online prayers happening again at 11.30 and 3 p.m. And if you'd like prayer for anything, please do follow the link. Uh, some of our pastors would love to pray with you. And to all the children, if you see me right now, I'm talking to you and, of course, to your parents as well. This morning at 11.30 a.m., um, Hillary and Michael will be on Zoom for K4C, and you guys will be talking about Jesus, our Good Shepherd. So do not miss that at 11.30. And of course, to all of you parents and families, you have been on our hearts more than ever lately. And right now, I just want to encourage you to really lean in into this time. I know it's been frustrating, but also out of frustration and challenges is growth. And I feel like just uh, the other day, I was just thinking about our children and I was thinking, you know, they're only young this once, you know, ever, you know, and so I really want to enjoy that. And so I've been really intentionally along with my wife and I've been talking to other families. I've been talking to some of you. Um, it's a great time to just pray together more, to ask them how they're doing, to ask them to pray for you, because I think ultimately our children are a gift and they are a mirror um, as to who God wants us to be through them. And so families, I just really want to encourage you to just take um, seize this opportunity to be together and to pray and to just have fun, make new memories together. That's a great reminder. Thank you, Justin. And now every year we celebrate World Refugee Sunday. And this year that will be happening on the 14th of June. More details will come, but that's a date for you to remember because it's a great opportunity for us to celebrate those from our Arise community. 
And as always, church, there are, we're constantly thinking about those who are vulnerable in the city. And our prayer is always, how can we practically respond, but also with love and compassion as Christ would show us. And so right now, we're going to see a little short clip from our missions pastor, Nathan, as he's going to share a little more of what we can do in this time together. Hey church, Pastor Nathan here. Uh, over the last four months, we've all felt the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, whether it be through some of the health challenges, the social distancing measures, or even the tightening economic environment. Um, even as our government and many others have sort of like made efforts to you know, support the millions of households and people out there, the reality is that this pandemic is gonna present continuing challenges for some of the most vulnerable and marginalized people across our city. And unfortunately, this pandemic is not going anywhere. Um, it's gonna become a much more than just a four month event, which I feel like presents us as believers some really interesting questions. You know, what is our responsibility during this period of time of disruption and challenge? And how should we respond to some of the, the needs that we see in the community around us? And when we look across the history of the violence of church, we see so many different examples where our people have reached out to those in need, um, the marginalized and vulnerable across our community, and responded out of generosity and sacrifice. These actions represent a church that is gospel-centered, community-orientated, and people-focused, and also reflects how the gospel can be lived out in practical ways through acts of compassion. Which is why over the next two weeks, we're going to be calling us as a church to find ways that we can reach out to those who are the most vulnerable and marginalized in our community. And there's two ways which you can get involved. I'll tell you more about that. Let's go. The first is to join us in providing something which is practical and basic, but essential for everybody in our city. Buy food. Often what we see in this challenging time is that some of the items which people need most um, even if it's become a little bit harder to access or have increased in price. So over the next two weeks, between here and the 1st of June, we're actually calling for you to come and partner with us by providing food support for some of those who are in need across our city. Our goal is to collect 500 vouchers of $100, which we will then pass to organizations who are caring for those in need. So what we're asking for you to do is next time you go do your shopping, why don't you grab one of those $100 vouchers and you can either drop it off at the Vine Concierge or email us at missions at thevine.org.hk and we can organize other ways for you to give directly. We also encourage you to join us to pray for some of these people in need. So wherever you are and whoever you're with, take a moment to pray for some of these people that we're supporting. So the second way that we can come along and support our community is by coming along some inside some of the small business here in Hong Kong who's facing some really challenging economic environments. And this has been one of the hardest hit sectors in our city. So over the next couple of months, let's make that intentional decision to come alongside and to get to know some of the people who work, manage, even own the small businesses here in Hong Kong. Through these small conversations, we get the opportunity to connect with new people, make friends, hear their story, and even have the opportunity to come alongside and pray for them. And if you needed any better reason to do this, the best vegan banana cake that you can find in Hong Kong is actually made by our Vine friends, Tudor and Heather, 
at Yesa, which is conveniently just across the road from the buying center. Well, that's all for me now. So remember, you can drop off your supermarket vouchers at the concierge, you can email us admissions at thevine.org.hk to give out in other ways, and come alongside your small businesses across the city to support them. Let's emerge well from this season and find practical ways for us to share the love of Christ with others around us. Thank you for that, Pastor Nathan. I have tried that banana cake, and it is very vegan, and it's amazing. So, church, I hope we can support them in the days ahead. Um, on another note, church, we remain humbled and very grateful as to see how God continues to provide for our needs as a spiritual family through all the saints, and that is you. And so on the screen right now are continued ways you can give, and I pray that as we learn to be generous like God is, and as we continue to uphold a culture of giving in, in many aspects of our life. I pray that his will will be done through us and the many churches within this city. And now we'd like to spend some time in worship. We'd like to encourage you to really lean in, to participate, and to really engage with us as we worship together. So let me pray. Father, we thank you that we can still worship together. We still our hearts now. We gather our scattered thoughts and we turn them to you. During this time, we lift up your name. We praise your name. We thank you that you are with each of us. And I pray that during this time, we will each experience your love and your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, fine family. Uh, wherever you are, we just want to invite you to engage with us. If that means standing, if that means uh, just turning your heart to Jesus where you are this morning. Join us and let's sing together. Oh, when you move, darkness runs for cover. When you move, no one's turned away. Where you are, fear turns into praises. Oh, where you are, no hearts left unchanged. Oh! 
us lean into this moment together as a church right now. And the Holy Spirit is really here in this place. I know He's really present with you where you are. In your home or wherever it is that you're watching this right now, the Holy Spirit is here. I saw a picture as we were worshiping actually of a, a dry ground. It was um, like a, a barren wasteland. And then I saw a flood of water come, a flood washing through that dry place. And I wonder whether that might resonate somewhat with where you are in this moment. Somewhat feeling dry, feeling weary, feeling a bit burnt out, a bit tired. Maybe emotionally it's been a very difficult period. Maybe physically there are some things going on for you right now uh, that have just been wearing you down, holding you back, uh, just de-energizing you, sucking life from you. There's this passage in Ezekiel where Ezekiel prophet, he sees this dry ground before him and and the Holy Spirit comes to him and says, prophesy, prophesy to the, to the dry bones. Open your mouth and speak breath to those bones. And um, you know, the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit uh, in the Hebrew as ruach, breath, wind. And, and elsewhere in, in the Old Testament, you see the Spirit of God represented as a flood, as water that rushes. Whether it's breath that goes or water that rushes, the Holy Spirit moves upon a people and changes them, shapes them, renews them. And if you're feeling dry right now, I want to pray. I want to prophesy the Ruach of God over you in this moment. I want to prophesy breath in your home, breath in your relationships, breath in your circumstances. Perhaps you're feeling dry in this moment. Maybe it's been a season uh, where it's been difficult for all of us, but particularly for you. You've struggled with something in your life, uh, whatever that might be. May the river of God begin to flow over you, into your life, into your home, into your situation. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask, Lord, that we would prophesy to the breath, the ruach, the wind and spirit of God. That, Lord, we would open our hearts to the flooding, the river of your life in us again, Lord. Father, we are at times a weary people. But you tell us in your word that you walk us through the valley of the shadow of death. And so, Lord, in this moment, wherever we might be on that journey, for some of us emerging out and coming into the promised land, for others starting in what feels like a long shadow of the valley, Lord, wherever it is, you are with us. Your breath bringing us life. Your spirit reviving us. And so, Father, you are good as we've just been singing. You are a God who brings goodness to us because it is innate in your character. And Lord, whatever good our people need in this moment, I ask that it would flow. I ask that you would pour out your goodness with that generous risk that you have. Lord, may our cups overflow and may it be for your glory and your goodness. And we're so grateful for this. We pray all this, bringing it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's so special, isn't it, as a church, just to spend some time in worship. And I, I'm so grateful to Promise and the team and the ways that they've poured their, their lives and their hearts into the last uh, 11 weeks that we've been online. It's been a, a long period of time since we've been able to gather together as a community in worship. Um, but it's a time that has stretched us and challenged us and opened us up to new ways of thinking about what church is like, about what our relationships with God is like, about 
uh, the things that we need to have in, in, in place in our lives so that we can grow deeply in Him, whether we're surrounded by the community or not. This has been at times a gift to us, to stretch us and challenge us and make us think new. And at times it's been deeply challenging and hard. I want to recognize all of that emotions as we come together around the word today. I, I want to bring a word to us that actually I'm, I'm really, uh, really feeling a, a sense of God's presence in. It's, it's kind of like a, a part two to a message that I brought recently about removing our grave clothes when I preached out of Lazarus emerging from the tomb. And, and I want to speak today about what it might might be like for us to begin to think about how we are emerging uh, out of this time of crisis, out of this time of the virus. You know, here in Hong Kong, we've been super blessed in the last couple of weeks that it kind of feels like uh, we're at the forefront of the, of the whole world in emerging from this virus season. And, and many of us are now uh, working back in our offices. Uh, most of the restaurants are, are open and buzzing with people again. And, and if you've been walking on the street, in Hong Kong in the last couple of weeks, you'll know well uh, that the crowds are back, that people are back out. And it does feel like we're at this sort of precipice of this emergence into something that might be what we're calling a a new normal. And I want to talk a little bit around the challenge that I think is here for us as humanity, as we begin to emerge. And I want to base that actually in a a passage uh, that's going to be found in Matthew. But let me shape the entry to that passage from a story that happened for me just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, It was a Friday and I was in Central at lunchtime. And and like I say, you know, the crowds were already back out in the streets. And I was walking just up to the top of where Pedestry is in Central. And and you you may well know that uh, there is a a street sleeper that, that sort of spends most of her time right there at the top of pedestry. Um, she's an older lady. She's been there for years. Uh, she puts a little uh, carpet or a little mat out and she sits on that. She has lots of shopping bags with her and she covers her face all the time. And, and she was there again as the crowds had emerged and were back on the street. There she was. And and as I walked up the street, I noticed something. First of all, that she was there, which, which was kind of like getting back to this normal that we've had in the past. So familiar to see her But I also saw something else that was kind of strange. People in general before would generally ignore this lady, but even more so on this moment. I I saw people really going out of their way to ignore her, as if she was like contagious with something really bad, and everybody was just spreading out in a wider arc around her than ever before. And here's the sobering thing I found for me. As I got closer to her, I also found myself beginning to give her a wider berth than I would have given her before. I was actually more afraid of being near her than I would have done months ago if I had seen her. And as I walked past her, I asked myself, what is it in me that as I emerge from this virus season, I'm even more wary of the stranger and the unknown. And actually in that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And you know, you know like those times when the Spirit speaks to you and it feels like God's coming and just kind of you know, slapping you a little bit? I had one of those moments where I felt like the Holy Spirit say something very strong to me. He says, Andrew, have you learned nothing in this season? Like, seriously, Andrew, have you learned nothing? 
Are you emerging more wary of the other than ever before? And if that is the case, then has the last three months been a waste to you? And I want to really challenge us today around this idea, how will we emerge? How are we going to come out of this season? And I think there's a, a real temptation for us, uh, a real danger. You see, we want to get back to like how things used to be. Some of the things that, that we desire to do is to, to move back to that kind of normalcy, if you will. And we desire that because it brings us comfort and ease. And as we're emerging, we want the normal. But let me say this to us right up front today. In our desire for a new normal, are we in danger of actually missing out on the opportunity for change that this crisis has brought us? Let me say that again, because I really want you to hear this. In our desire for a new normal, are we actually in danger of missing out on the very opportunity for change that this crisis has brought to us? One of the things that I've noticed in my life in the last three months is just how I've become a lot more self-focused, a lot more worried about myself, a lot more self-protective than I've ever been. Now, part of that probably is actually quite natural. Maybe you resonate with that as you're watching this. I think we've all had to take care of ourselves a little bit more in this season. We've had to be responsible for our own health. We've had to be careful about the things we've touched and the places we've gone to and how many times we've washed our hands. We've, we've been thinking about this too in terms of our family and our loved ones and those that we live with. And, and we've been staying physically away from one another, all very important and necessary in this season. But here's what I've noticed that's done in, in my heart, and maybe you'll resonate with this. I've, I've found that I've begun to therefore withdraw from others more, even as we now emerge. I, I find myself more self-protective than I've ever been. I've found myself more worried about the neighbor than ever before. And, and I, I've, I've noticed that actually I'm going to be emerging, thinking perhaps more, not having learned compassion, not having seen the world with different eyes, but that maybe me and maybe Maybe all of us as humanity are in danger of emerging worse than we ever were. The people that have been impacted the most in this virus season is not the people of privilege, perhaps like you and I, but the people of vulnerable communities, the poor, the downtrodden, the refugee and asylum seeker, those that have been caught in trafficking, the poor in our city, the street sleeper at the top of pedestry. These are the ones that have suffered so much in this time. And when we emerge, are we going to emerge as a humanity more compassionate for these communities or less so? And I think if I feel it in me, maybe others are feeling it as well, the danger of emerging more self-protective than ever before? Could it be that we're going to fail to see Jesus afresh in this time, to see church differently in this time, to see others around us differently in this time, to see ourselves differently? Are we in danger of emerging with sight, but actually failing to see? That's a question 
that Jesus wrestles with all the time in the Gospels and in his ministry. He was passionate to come around the disciples and the crowds and challenge them. Look, don't just have sight, but actually see what's happening in the kingdom. Actually see what what I'm doing in and around you in this time. Don't just go through life perceiving physically and ignoring and being blind to the spiritual. No, have eyes that see and ears that hear. This is Jesus' whole parable teaching ministry, why he preached in parables. He wanted to challenge people, not just to see things on the surface, but dig below and begin to understand the depths of what God could do for them, the change and transformation that could happen for them, and then bring that new character, that new spirit to minister to the world around them, to be the blessing that Genesis 12 had always spoken about, to be a blessing to the nations around. And and God wanted people to really see Jesus for who he was and for themselves for who God saw them to be and changed because of that. Because of that, Jesus was so passionate about this. And, and sometimes he got so frustrated with the disciples because they failed to see him. They failed to see the kingdom around them. And Jesus didn't want to miss the opportunity for them because he knew if they could really see it, they would change and grow. And as I was praying for us as a church this week, that's what sat on my spirit. That as we emerge from this virus and we get back to our lives that we would actually seize this day that we have to see true and well. You see, Jesus wants us to have this opportunity to grasp something in this season that's really important. Jesus doesn't want us to miss the opportunity to be able to actually see and perceive what he is doing in this time. He doesn't want us to just kind of default back to some some before normalcy, but he actually wants us to press forward to a reimagined life. Think about that for a sec. Not, Not just back to some old normalcy as if that's where our comfort comes from, but actually to press forward to the reimagined life that he has for us. Will we have eyes to see? I want to open up this thought for us about really seeing Jesus and ourselves and the world better as we emerge from a a passage of scripture that that has meant a lot to me throughout my life. It's a small passage uh, towards the end of the gospel of Matthew. And this is found in Matthew uh, chapter 20, verses 29 to 34. Uh, And I'm going to start reading uh, from verse 29. It says this, Are you with me? I say that a lot at the church. I just wanted to throw that one in. Are you with me? Everybody say amen at home. Type in amen. Type type amen into the comments if you're with me. All right. So this is Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 29. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted this, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of, Mer- son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called to them. What do you actually want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and they followed him. Short passage, powerful story. And it's a story that, I, that needs a little bit of context. So, so let, let me give you the background to what's happening here. 
This event happens right towards the end of Jesus' life. In fact, he's just leaving Jericho, and he's about to walk the 15 miles just northeast up to Jerusalem. And he's going to Jerusalem for, for the last time in his ministry. And he wants to get there for Passover so he can share in that Passover meal with the disciples in the upper room. And so Jesus has an agenda. He has some needs and he's focused on that. And he realizes that once he gets to Jerusalem, once he has that Passover meal, that events are about to start from that point forward that's going to lead to his death on the cross. Jesus is literally just weeks away from death in this moment. And as he's, as he's walking, he's got this massive crowd around him. He's got his disciples all around him. He's got this huge crowd because his, his fame had grown throughout his ministry. But, but Jesus is also still deeply hurting from the reality that even his disciples, who have been with him so often in the last few years, even they're still failing to see Jesus for who he truly was. Now, now, this has been made very clear to us in the story that precedes the story that I just read. Let me summarize that story really quickly because that story actually impacts our interpretation of this one. In, in the previous story in Matthew 20, two disciples, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they come to Jesus with a big question. And the classic thing in the text is they're so scared to ask Jesus this question that they actually ask their mother to ask Jesus that question for them. I love this. You know, us men, we do this all the time. When we have no courage to say the thing that really needs to be said, we're like, mom, can you say it for us, please? So, so they bring their mother before Jesus. And it's like the mother and James and John, and they get on their knees before Jesus. And Jesus turns to them and he says, what is it that I could do for you? He asked them that question, what, what is it that I could do for you? And through their mother, here's what they say. They say, when you get to your kingdom, when you're sitting on your throne, can one of us sit on your right and one of us sit on your left? What they do in this moment is they ask Jesus for positions of power and authority. James and John may be discerning that Jesus is not too far away from the end of his life. They're beginning to think to themselves, how do we take care of our future? How do we provide for ourselves? How do we make sure that our family is going to be well looked after forever? How, how do we make sure that we're not left out of this glorious new thing? Oh, oh, oh Jesus, when you get to your throne, can we take the most important places of power and authority? This is a question that gets Jesus completely wrong. See, they're seeing Jesus like a, a Caesar figure, like one who, who will lord it over everybody else, a place of power and authority. And they're thinking about their own individual needs. They're being self-respective, self-protective, just like perhaps how I'm feeling as I'm emerging from this virus. And they say to Jesus, Jesus, man, when you get there, we want to be right by your side so we can have places of authority and power. And Jesus is so hurt by this. And he turns to them and he's like, do you guys not get it? Do you, do you not get that I'm not that kind of king? Do you, not, do you not realize that actually I've come here to serve? That, that actually the place of greatest power and authority is not to lord it over people like Caesar, but actually to humble yourself and serve on behalf of the other. That the greatest expression of love, that what humanity is all about is caring for the vulnerable and the hurting and those that need our help the most. Why do you not see that? And right after that story comes this story of two blind men receiving their sight. Now, 
Jesus is walking on a road where there are beggars all the time. It's the road from Jericho to Jerusalem. It was one of the busiest marketplace roads that there were. People would go to Jerusalem and and trade and do merchant and business. And they would do the same also in Jericho. And because these two cities were quite close, that road between the two was lined full of opportunity beggars, professional beggars. The ones knew that you'd made some money in Jerusalem. If you're walking back to Jericho, you might give a little bit of blessing from that money. If you'd made money in Jericho and you're heading to Jerusalem, you might do the same. This was prime real estate for the beggars to be at. And Matthew introduces us to two beggars. He tells us that these two are blind. Now, now in those days, being blind was a curse. Being blind was a result of your sin. That was how it was understood. These two men had grown up with the shame and the embarrassment that either they had sinned or some relatives had sinned that had created them to be born blind. And there they are, day in, day out, perhaps just like our friend at the top of Pettus Street, crying out and asking for the alms, for charity from those that walk by. Now, these two have been doing it for years. They're in prime real estate. Everything in the context of this passage suggests that they're professional beggars. They know where to sit. They know what to say. And they also have been so heightened in their senses to what is happening around them. Ask anybody who has lost any of their sense, whether it's hearing, whether it's smell, whether it's to, to see or to speak, they'll tell you that the other senses that they have heighten. And these two blind people, blind for all of their lives, had the heightened sense of being able to read the crowds even though they couldn't see them. They would know when somebody important was walking by. They would sense it in the foot traffic, getting larger and louder. They would hear it in the conversations of the people passing by and what they were talking about as they walked. And on this particular day, they hear that a king is about to walk by. That's a a pretty rare thing. And if you're two professional beggars in this amazing place of real estate and you hear that a king's gonna walk by, man, that's gonna pick up your attention. And you can almost sense them listening to the crowds talk about this guy that's about to come by, that he's done all these miracles, that he's, that he's done all this amazing stuff, that he's saying that he, he's not just a prophet, but he might actually be the Messiah, the one to come who's going to change all of the world, the one who's going to finally liberate them from Gentile slavery, the one that's going to set up a new kingdom. It's this person. Could this be the one who's going to free the Jews once and for all? That's what the crowd was talking about. And these beggars, they're absorbing all of this stuff and they're thinking to themselves, this could be our biggest pay day ever. I mean, if we can get this guy's attention, if we can cry out over the noise of the crowds, he might give us so much money, this king, that we would be able to not have to beg for weeks. Could you imagine what that would be like? And they're, they're thinking about their needs. They're thinking about their immediate, obvious needs. We need to provide for ourselves day in, day out. We cannot miss this great opportunity to get this king to give us a wad of cash. That was in their hearts. That's what they're thinking. Look at how they do this. I'll pick it up in verse 30. It says this. There were these two men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that this Jesus was going to come by, here's what they shouted. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on us. Now, the son of David here is quite critical. These guys are smart. They know how to get Jesus' attention. They know how to play to the idea of pride. 
They're like, well, if we can describe this one with all of the kingliness of what a Messiah would be, a son of David, oh, that would be a phrase, a title that might begin to prick his ears in our direction, turn him towards us. And so as loud as they could, son of David, son of David. And then straight after that, they say this, have mercy on us. This word mercy is the Greek word eleo. And what it means is to pity or to have mercy. But here's the most important thing. That word was actually the word that was used to say, would you give me alms? Would you give me charity? So these two disciples, these two uh, blind beggars, sorry, by the side of the road, they're crying out, son of David, trying to play to Jesus's pride. And then they're saying, give us alms, give us charity, give us your money, stop and provide for the poor people. Would you give us your mercy, the money that we need to get through this day? Here's the amazing thing. Jesus actually stops. Think about this for a second. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. The next story in Matthew is the triumphal entry. When Jesus arrives on a donkey, the praises of the people. The story after that is the Lord's Supper in the upper room. And then after that, it's shortly his death on the cross. That's just in front of him. I mean, if any human has ever had an important agenda, an important need, and a focus in his life, it's Jesus. And yet Jesus stops. On his way to save all of humanity, Jesus stops for the beggars. I mean, that should blow our minds. In the same way that the beggars' senses were heightened because of their blindness, so Jesus was so heightened to opportunities for compassion and love and mercy that even in the very focused need to save all of humanity, Jesus was willing to stop for the beggars. I think that's one of the most beautiful ideas of love. See, love is seeing the other true and well. Think about that for a sec. Love is seeing the other true and well. As we're emerging out of this virus season, what a great challenge to us. Will we actually stop to see the other true and well? And if we can do that, perhaps we could become people more of love than we've ever been before. Jesus stops and he turns to them and he draws near them. I want you to know this. Jesus sees you. He sees you. He sees you in your moment right here, right now. Wherever you're watching this, wherever you're tuning in from, he sees you. And he doesn't just see the physicality of you. He sees your heart. He sees your emotions. He sees all of the good, bad, and ugly that's happened to you in the last three months. He sees those anxieties and those stresses and those hurts. He has the whole world to hold in his hands and yet he knows your name. And yet he pauses to turn towards those that are vulnerable. Yes, even broken us. I want you to be encouraged by the reality that you have a savior that sees you true and well. And because he sees you, He holds in his hands your hurt and your pain and the frustrations and your needs and the stuff that's right ahead of you and the longer term stuff that you're not even aware of right now. He sees all of that and he has time for you. 
This blows my mind. Jesus did not allow his own personal needs or his own personal agenda to blind him from the opportunity to actually see the people around him with love and with service. Isn't that crazy to me that, that Jesus would actually take the time to do this? Even on the way to save humanity on the cross, he would have the time to see these people true and well. How does Jesus really see them? Well, listen to this in the next verse. It says this, Jesus stopped and called them, what is it that I might be able to do for you? Jesus asked them a question, what is it that I could do for you? Now, on the surface, this is the dumbest question in all of scripture. I mean, come on. Here's two blind guys sitting by the road who have been crying out as loud as they can, son of David, give me money. Son of David, give me money. Son of David, give me money. And Jesus pauses, turns to them and says, what can I do for you? Right? Like you can almost imagine the blind men turning to each other and going, is he blind too? You know, is he deaf? Like as well, like what's going on here? Like, what do you mean? What, what, what do we want? You know, we've been screaming to you, have mercy, give us alms, give us charity. So what's Jesus doing here? Well, I think this question is an absolutely profound question. And this is why we need the first story to help us understand this story. It's exactly the same question that Jesus asked James and John. What is it that I can do for you? And actually behind that question is a deeper one and it's this. Who do you say I am? Because your answer to that question will impact what you ask me for. Come on church. Stay with this one. Who do you say I am? And the answer to that question will impact what we actually ask of Jesus. And Jesus turns to these two blind men and he essentially said to them, who do you really think I am? Because if you think I'm like Caesar, then just keep on asking me for money and maybe I'll throw you some arms. But if you actually see me better than that, if you actually see beyond the facade of what might, people might think and actually perceive me true and well, if you see me not as Caesar, but as a savior, you might ask me to do something else for you than just meet your immediate needs. What is it that I could really do for you? I think that question sits over all of us as we come out of this COVID season. What is it that we really want Jesus to do for us? Many of us have some real needs in this time. We have really important needs. Some of us have lost jobs. Some of us have lost loved ones in this time. Some of us haven't seen our loved ones for a long time. Some of us, our education's on hold. For some of us, we're, we're dealing with other sicknesses that, that have been difficult to treat because of what's been happening with the virus. There are so many needs for all of us. And I'm not downplaying any of those needs. Jesus sees those needs. He cares for those needs. Absolutely. But I think this question that sits over the beggars sits over us today too. What is it that you really want me to do for you? Who do you truly think that I am? Because that's going to change perhaps how you might emerge in this season. In the, in the passage, there's almost this sense that everything quietens down at this point. I, it doesn't say it in the passage, but I could imagine all the crowds are stopped walking because Jesus has stopped. He's addressing these two blind men and he's asking that critical question, what is it that I can do for you? And it's almost like everybody's waiting for their answer. Like, what are these blind men gonna say? How are they gonna respond to Jesus? And in this moment, something profound happens. 
These two blind men shift their perception of Jesus. They shift from expecting him to be a wealthy king that can give them something that will address their immediate need. And they begin to see Jesus for who he truly was. Not a Santa Claus, but a savior. One who could actually change their lives. To actually meet them in the deepest place of their brokenness. Not just look after their day need, but actually change the shame that they've been wearing all their lives. A lifting of that horrible expectation that sin had caused them to be blind. This one, if he truly was the Messiah, could change all of that. And in that moment, they believe. And here's what they say. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. We want to be able to see true and well. I think that's one of the most beautiful moments in all of Scripture. Son of David, give me money. I know you're the Savior. Could you heal my brokenness? Could you heal the place that I really need to be fed in? And I, and I think this is a moment for us as a global church as we emerge in this virus season. And we know that this season is going to go on ahead and we know that there's, there's time ahead of us with this. But as we are beginning to think about emerging, as we're finding ourselves doing that in Hong Kong, are we still coming to Jesus, expecting him just to meet the very self-protective needs that we have? Oh, this thing here or this thing here or whatever it might be. Or are we using this time to begin to see Jesus differently and properly and better so that we emerge as better people? So that humanity becomes better as it comes out. Not avoiding that beggar in the street with a wider arch because we're now more wary of our neighbor, but actually emerging in this time with hope in our hearts, having seen Christ, having known that we have a God who wants to change us, a God that wants to heal us in the places of our greatest brokenness, that this might be the time that a healed humanity might be able to come forward. Not a humanity more wary, but a humanity more alive. Could you imagine what that might look like? What that might mean to the world that we live in? You see, these two blind men may have been physically blind, but they were spiritually perceptive. And that's in contrast to the disciples and the crowds who were physically perceptive, but spiritually blind. I think that's a great challenge to us as a church. Are we physically perceptive, but we're going to be emerging spiritually blind because we've not actually seen Jesus during this time in the way that he wants us to see him? Are we emerging healed and restored? Or are we emerging looking for Christ like we've always done? Is Jesus a Santa Claus to your needs or is he a savior to your brokenness? Come on, church, I want you to sit around that thought for a second. Is Jesus a, a Santa Claus still to your needs? Or is he a savior to the broken places in you? Those places that are the deepest hurts and the deepest needs. The things that are right there in you. Have we used this time of physical distancing to actually draw closer to Jesus? How will we emerge? As we think on that. I recognize for me in my own life, there is much that I need to be dealing with. 
I recognize the tendency still to fear in my life. I recognize over these last three months that I still am aware of the inadequacies that I have and, and the need for me to control. I've been aware over the last three months more than ever that I am wary of the stranger. I, I, I've recognized that I try to medicate my fear with comfort and distraction. These three months have been a sifting of some of the real ugly things in my life. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying to me, will I truly see him for who he is so I can see myself and I can come to him with not just the immediate needs of my life, as important as those are, but I can use this time to come to him and say, I'm broken, Jesus. I, I am still struggling and I don't want to emerge worse version of myself than the one that I came into this crisis being. I want to emerge better. May you fix change, save, restore, renew me, knowing that you'll take care of my immediate needs, but you so often are more concerned not with changing my circumstance, but actually changing me. What an opportunity we have. And how about you? Are you going to be like James and John, focused on self-protection, worried about your future and wanting Jesus just to protect your own needs? Or are you going to emerge in this time like the two beggars who went from blindness to sight simply because they perceived something in Jesus, that they understood him like that Savior and knew in that that they could draw close to him and through that became better people and emerged into a better society? What a gift we have right now to receive that from Jesus, to be changed in ourselves and become those that could see. See, James and John didn't see Jesus true and well, so they remained in the dark. But the two blind men saw Jesus for who he truly was, and they came into the light. May you and I, as we come out of this season, may we emerge better versions of ourselves because we have actually seen Jesus better than ever before. May those who have sight, let them truly, truly see. Let me pray for us. Let's pray. Father, we come in this moment now. Father, we open our hearts to you here. And Lord, I, I believe that every single person watching this, wherever they might be, I'm sure they can resonate with both James and John and their selfish ambition, as well as res uh, resonating with those two blind beggars and their need for wholeness. So Father, in this moment where we are, in the challenge that we are sitting under this passage, what a beautiful gift this passage is to us. Father, in the blindness that we still carry towards the broken and the vulnerable in our city and around us, towards the things in us that are still broken, the blindness that we have, Lord, would you give us sight? Lord, may we see you better. May that question resonate on our hearts this week. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, may we come to you with our needs. Yes, come to you with that desire for that new work situation, the desire for the healing of our sickness, the desire uh, for the protection of our families and our children, all so valuable, so important. And you draw near to those things. Yes, we bring those things to you. But Lord, may they not be the only things we bring. 
May we, like the blind beggars, shift from Son of David, give me money, or Son of David, give me this, or Son of David, give me that. Or, and may we shift this week to a posture that says, Savior, would you touch my brokenness? Savior, would you make me into a better person? I want to emerge, not a worst version of myself from the last three months. I want to emerge better than ever before. And that's going to require you to touch some of the deepest places in my life, some of the places that are the most broken. And so it's there that we turn to in this moment. You might want to open your hands where you are. You might want to just receive what the Holy Spirit has for you. The worship team will come and and sing a, a song in response, but allow yourself now to be ministered by the Holy Spirit. As your hands are open before Him, allow Him to speak life into you. Allow Him to bring a word of courage, a word of encouragement, that moment of healing. Allow Him to actually show you, and it might be painful for some of us, but to show you some of those blind spots that we have about our brokenness. Allow Him to come and give you sight. And as He does so, I pray that this week, you'll emerge the best that you've ever been. Let's continue to pray and lean into the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
hope that all of you watching uh, will take some time, whether immediately after today or this week, to really process what God is speaking to all of us, that He would give us sight. Um, also, I just wanted to remind everyone to, um, this week, you can drop off your supermarket vouchers uh, at the concierge box at the Vine Center at any time. And I think just lastly is, I think our prayer is that you, though things are certain and some things, most of it is uncertain, that uh, we can continue to pray for each other and also hope that we want to see you soon. We, we do really want to see you soon. Yes, we can't wait to see you. So don't forget to subscribe to our emails or turn on your notifications on social media so you won't miss that announcement. We're sending you lots of love and blessing from all of us here in the auditorium. We hope you emerge into your week a better person and we can't wait to see you next week.